0: Uh, oh, cute.
1: Uh-huh. Sweet. Sweeties. <laughs> hi, everybody. My name is Wah.
0: and I'm Chris, and welcome to Docu Sweeties.
1: We're longtime friends who discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docu series,
0: yes, but through our lens, which, can be salty, can be bitter, but at the end of the day, hopefully mildly a little sweet.
1: Right. So this is Love After Lockup slash Life After Lockup season four, episode 12. You know what? I did not get the name of it. Last week was Can't Stop Destiny. This week, No idea, but I'll find it and I'll just add it to the show notes for y'all. But y'all, I am loving this show. This is the (laughs) trashy TV part of our docu-series, like intro that that we speak of. So let's just get started with the first couple that we have on our docket. And I have it listed as Kevin and (laughs) Tiffany. Yes, come on, Kevin. Remember <laughs> Kevin punched that man out? Uh, and Tiffany got so excited about it that she decided to be in a relationship with him when she really shouldn't be in one.
0: Well, wow, you would you if you were there, you would have also gotten a relationship. Wow, that punch made you so excited that I feel oh. like he- absolutely. I know. Absolutely. That's the quickest way to wall's heart is a little is a like a little like pop.
1: Just a little masculine man t- showing everybody how masculine he is and how he, he ain't no punk. Cause he'll, he'll, he'll punch a pussy ass out. You know what I'm saying? He'll knock I- a <laughs> pussy ass out. I love it. I yeah. <laughs> you know, love it.
0: I love it. Yeah. So Tiffany is, you know, just got the key, right? Got the key to the place, honey. He's left. She's like, you know, free. Honey Just go through all the medicine cabinets, just tr- all through the trinkets, honey. But yeah. He, she goes to the underwear drawer and she finds underwear and she doesn't recognize that honey doesn't know, them. doesn't know the underwear. Like where I carry to like Jayla, like, I don't know her.
1: Yeah. Also, like the underwear are too small to be Kevin. So even if he was moonlighting as something else in the background, like it's, they're too small. They would at least have to be an extra large to fit Kevin's little ass frame. Um, and so she decides to call her best Judy and figure out what to do. And the best Judy was like, F him. OK, you don't need him. We don't need you don't need him. Just going ahead and uh, give him back his little old key and come on home. And so Tiffany leaves a note, and it says she leaves a note with the with the underwear. She she found two pairs. She found one in the top drawer and one in the, se- the second drawer. And then I thought, who is this messy ass bee who's just leaving underwear in different drawers in this man's house? And how come Kevin has not given this person
0: back their chonies, Chris? Yeah, it's it. Well, first of all, if you found women's underwear in your men's drawer. She now she's assuming that it's someone that he's re that he's still, you know, being with. You could assume perhaps they were an old lover's pair that maybe he like kept on to or maybe he ate likes old ones underwear, he likes to smell them. There's a bunch of underwear things that could have happened with these. Sorry, that's the thing. You know, we all watch that Orange and New Black whole season of women selling their underwear from jail. You know, listen, that's not me, that's them. Um about the same time, like Make that money, um. But yeah, so she, her. Fr- I like the fact her friend is like, just lay him on the bed with the key. Just lay him on the bed with the key. You know, and I, like Victoria, like you know, has been there with this underwear. But yeah. She. We also get um a scene of Kevin then going to talk to his friend. and I know Kevin's a t- truck driver, so he has to go talk to his friend. His Kevin. His friend looks just like Kevin, but bigger. They're wearing the exact same thing. It's like frayed denim shorts. It's white beaters, They both have tats. They both have like, the same kind of like haircut. That's like shaved on the sides, faded up, and then like some sort of haircut up here, and then like goatees or whatever. And he basically. It's like, yeah, like Kayla's crazy. Like, yeah, me and my girl like put up this Tinder ad, you know, and Kayla found it in 24 hours. And it's like so annoying this kind of conversation because the conversation is, can you believe how K- crazy Kayla is? And what have to block her? But what he's not saying is like, I haven't broken up with Kayla. I just won't tell her that I to break up. Like, I have never stopped. Leading her on, or or trying to be in her life, he's acting like he's constantly hanging up with the phone and being like, "Never call me again." But he's constantly being like, "Nothing. I don't know what's happening with well, you. Damn. I don't know. Not, no Tinder. I don't know what that is. No. I mean, he's definitely broken up with her,
1: but he's not going to not have sex with her if the opportunity comes. He's not going to let her go a hundred percent. I mean, Chris, this is where I think where um, where I think you and I diverge with the type of men that we know. Like, I intrinsically know Kevin's. Not Kevin, but men like him. And, like, just because he's broken up with someone doesn't mean he's not going to stop talking to them and keep them in the pocket in case he needs them to come over and, like, I don't know, make his bed or, like, suck his dick. Like, this man is going to this man is going to keep Kayla on the hook because he knows Kayla loves him. So he's going to entertain her. He's like, you, I mean, you know, the person, I, I, listen, listen, I know. He, yeah. These men are going to continue to have women like Kayla around because they know that Kayla love them and they have some love for Kayla too, but not enough to put up with the shenanigans all the time. And he even says, you know what? I know what I signed up for. Like, I know Kayla. I know she's always going to be there for me. I really want this thing with Tiffany right now because she's the new new. But Mm -hmm. Kayla is always going to be in the back pocket, period. So I'm never going to actually tell her I have a girlfriend or that I've moved on or that I'm getting married or that I have a baby on the way and that we're moving out of state. (laughs) Like, I'm never going to tell Kayla any of this because truthfully, I need to be able to whip her out like a Pokemon card anytime I want to use her. Like, period, point blank. And so, like, this is what we get to see from Kevin. And seeing Kevin drive that truck, first of all, now we know how much money he makes and why he gets to afford this house. So, bravo to him. Two, Kevin looks like an absolute child. He looks like a 12-year-old driving that truck. And it it still was kind of hot. Like, not that I'm attracted to 12-year-olds, not at all. But then them arms are just so teeny tiny. That that's oh, what they're guys. giving me. But the, and teeny tiny on that big head. But like and I hope other heads are big, too. But like he is him and like whatever that friend is, they give us a throwback of K- Kayla saying, listen, I'm never going to not love you. I'm never going to not leave you alone. This is who I am. This is who I am to you. Period. Point blank. The end. And like he's just like, listen, I always need a I need a down ass bitch is what I need. And that's who Kayla is. And I like that moment where he acknowledges that he knows what he signed up for, but how crazy she is. He's like, listen, she keep blowing me up, but like, listen, that's what I signed up for. And I love it. So then the next scene we have is Tiffany actually laying out the chonies on the bed, writing a note. And, um, there are some grammatical errors, but we're not going to talk about them. The note says, I know these aren't yours. So here's your key back until you can be truthful with two L's. And, I said, so this woman is not leaving him. She's just saying, I'll be back once you tell me the truth. And the truth is, is that Kevin's going to give her a half-ass truth either way it goes. He's never going to tell her the complete truth because he doesn't trust her with her like of other women. And she doesn't like him with his like of other women. And so the only, like, that's why the remedy is for them to just find a third so that at least... If he's going to cheat, he's going to cheat with someone that she has said is okay for him to be with.
0: Because she's cheating with that woman too. Yeah. And they both have their eye on this one. Yep. Listen, it's actually kind of genius. I don't know why. I mean, I get it. It's genius. Things work for different people.
1: I love it. I'm I'm team Kevin 100%. Because this man Uh said, I'll knock your pussy ass out. And he did. And maybe he'll knock a pussy out as well. (gasps) Oh.
0: okay. My days. Um, let us move on to these people who are Taylor and chance. I hate the way her parents spelled her name. I hate it too, honey. They, yeah, they had two (laughs) twins, honey. And so I think maybe like, they just didn't like, they were like, okay, Bobby. And then maybe like Taylor came out and they were like, Oh God.
1: You know what it is, is that they wanted two names that were unisex, and so they chose Bobby and Taylor when they could have just chosen like Morgan and Jordan, or they could have chosen like Taylor and Jordan. Like Taylor is, I see where they were going, but Bobby throws us off. Like it needed to be like Bobby and Charlie. You know what I'm saying? Bobby and Charlie would have been super cute.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That listen, a lot of mistakes were made, honey, and we can't fix them all. Um, but in this situation, we get this. We are okay. So now we are down to the wire about this apartment that he's decided to build Bobby that's going to be in the garage and taking her out of the house and, you know, letting the daughters kind of like split up. Meanwhile, the daughters, and there's three, are all going to a daddy daughter dance um, at school. And um, as we know, uh, Taylor has three children, as we said, and uh, the oldest two, their father passed away. So they actually don't have like a technical biological daddy walking around right now. And the youngest one, that one has a daddy and that daddy does not want to be on camera. Yeah.
1: And also that daddy is rude for not taking the other kids. Like you signed up for it with a woman who had two kids. Like if you're going to take your daughter to the daddy daughter, dance, I'm not saying it's your absolute responsibility, but like, (laughs) come on. Those Those are your daughter's sisters. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you took I agree. them on.
1: You chose to have a baby with this woman. You took them on.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but then we get this thing where this is the part that like makes me so upset. Chance is ch- so Chance is going to go take the other daughters to the daughter daughter sorry, daddy daughter dance, which is obviously very nice. But for some reason, this is also the night that is the arbitrarily made deadline. Of when Bobby is going to get move into her new place, and Leslie, the new place has to be done and revealed. That part is confusing to me. Why is it the same night? Oh, is it because the cameras are there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also weird because he's like, I didn't know it was going to take this long. I'm sorry, sir. You signed up to build a a little like room in a garage and you didn't anticipate how long it was going to take. And then he starts listing the reasons why he didn't know how long it was take. And I'm like, none of that sounds like like zoning or dealing with the city or anything that would actually take a long time it just literally sounds like you just didn't know how long it was going to take you to put up drywall by yourself and then on top of that you are now talking you're now going to sing a song of like do you know how long it took me to do this and i did all this for you and by myself and like but at the end of the day did nobody ask you to do this this is what you wanted to do because you wanted to kick Bobby out of the house because she's a drug addict and you didn't want that there. And then on top of that, you're going to say that, yes, sure, you haven't finished the spot, but you're pretty sure that Bobby has slept in worse places. So she'd be all right. No, 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 says Steve Urkel. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also the same Cisco from the thong song. No, 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 thong, 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 thong. You know what I'm saying? Okay. No, it's not. Um, you're right. It's Urkel. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah. So, he's in that garage, honey. He's, like, doing all the things. And we're looking. And we're, like, this is not done yet. And, like, he's been making a lot of promises. You know? Like, I he shouldn't have said anything. But to get her out, he had to say that he was going to give her, like, a five-star situation. Like, she's expecting a lot. And we see it. It's, like a huge couch that he has to steam clean, which makes me feel like where'd he get it from and what's in that couch and who's been on the couch, uh, which is a whole other thing that will come back to bite us in the ass. And I'm, what I'm trying to sell is there are things in that couch that could bite you in the ass. Um, And then like in the actual like unit where she's going to sleep, you know, it's like, uh, ceilings aren't done. There's like holes in the ceilings, you know, like there's not an area bed, you know, there's like, he put on a table, like the a refrigerator, you know, like barely bigger than one of those beauty friger- refrigerators that you can put like half a can in, you know, maybe like a face scrub, you know. Um, meanwhile, he has the luxury to be like, well, I gotta go to daddy daughter dance. Cause I'm like, you know, doing the thing by like, you know, taking care of them daughters and, so they're kind of like, well, uh, it's kind of hard. It's like between a rap rock and a hard place here. I I really hate what's happening, but uh, you're doing the thing that's awkward. So they're gonna have a big reveal, you know, like at the same time because everything has to happen the same night.
1: Yeah. And they do have their big reveal and Bobby ends up being good about it. And she says, you know what? You're doing a lot for the girls right now. So I'm not going to complain. And then there's this like awkward scene after he leaves where he, where she and Taylor are talking and moving her into the space. And Taylor is like, um, yeah, I don't want you to ever feel like if you're ever scared out here, if the like wind is blowing or like, dogs are barking and you're feeling a skirt that you could just come in the house. Like, don't think you have to sleep out here the whole time um, because I don't want you to feel that way. Okay. And Bobby's like, yeah, I understand that. And then we get like cuts scenes of him dancing with the girls at the dance. And all I can think of is I hope he is not a pedophile. Like there is just so much trust that Taylor has given this man to be with her daughters, that it makes me uncomfortable. Because as we know, we've all seen where the heart is and we know how men can be tricky. And we've all seen lifetime television for women as child in the 90s. We know that people are tricky. So I'm I'm happy for Taylor, but she really wants a dad for them kids. In fact, she even named one of the child Jaclin. So that's interesting.
0: I didn't know uh, well, she said was like Jaclyn. I was like, Jaclin? Not Jacqueline? Jaclyn? Yeah. also you see the hair she she is curling the girl's hair and then one of the devices the curling iron she's using is this it looks god was like a sex toy there's all these bulbs like that mm-hmm. you then I guess wrap the hair around the bulb But like I don't know what it's doing more than it's creating bouncier curls or uh, what an interesting device so like if you guys aren't I don't know know what I'm talking about like what the hell do you use that for
1: I mean I don't know because I don't have hair like that to ever use a device like that so I didn't know it was weird until you put that in the notes but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that is interesting. I did notice it, and I thought that was interesting.
0: Also, awesome. um, this the school that that put this dance on. They could have done like a little more, I think, for the dance. I like, mean, a
1: lot more. I mean, just it was like they just threw it together just to say that they did it. Like who? Like it was not a dance. It was like a place where like there was some. There was a couple of chairs. There was a couple of tables, and there were like. It was one streamer, it was like one or two streamers, you know what I'm saying, and like who knows what they were dancing to based on the way that these people were dancing. And also where was Athena? Was Athena at the same daddy-daddy do- daddy daughter dance and we just didn't see her. And I love the fact that they named that baby Athena. Like that's a strong, that's giving me very Greek, it's very Greek mythology.
0: It's a strong name. How do you go from Jaylin to Athena? like those like, are two different vibes. That girl was having two different, that was like two different lifetimes to have.
1: Right. I um, mean, how do you do Taylor and Bobby two different vibes, different lifetimes as well? Uh, just, yeah. spelling, I think, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So Taylor and Bobby are in this room and uh, Taylor ends up leaving to go into the house and Bobby curls up on the couch. Like she doesn't know how to lay. Like, I mean, she just like has this blanket and curls up on the couch. And I'm soon. Su- I'm assuming that this, as the cameras cut, she just goes in the house and starts drinking with her sister. Like They're not not taking full advantage of this evening without kids and chance. Like These two are turning up.
0: I completely agree. Yeah. I was like, wait, you're going to make it seem like she's going to turn off all the lights in your makeshift new apartment where we already know that couch has not been steam cleaned yet. So you're going to yeah. lay your old ass on this couch with your Ugg boots on and then like 99 99- yeah. bigites.
1: Yeah. That as your sister like pulls down the garage door to shut you in. And here's what I was saying to you, Chris, like that space is not livable with that garage door. And I don't know where they are, but I assume it snows wherever they are. It's not, a, it's not, it's not doable with the snow and that just like m- sheet of metal. No, he's going to have to do a lot more drywalling, a lot more insulating. He's going to actually have to like shut down that door and put insulation in it and a piece of drywall over it. And then like create a door for her to go in and out of, because that is unacceptable. Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. cabinet, the refrigerator where you're going to put your snacks, everything about that space was unacceptable. And the fact that he, for even a second could believe that it was acceptable shows how much of like a degenerate he (laughs) he is or was
0: or whatever. He's like, look, at the end of the day, Bobby and I, we know where we've been. What Bobby's seen is what I've seen. And I'll tell you right now, this garage that I've spent two weeks doing, what it looks like I threw it up in like last four hours. It's the Taj Mahal compared to the dens, honey, that we've been through. I mean, that's basically what he says. Well,
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I mean, you're right. He did say that. Um, so that is the end of them. Um <laughs> Let's move on to another fake couple, which we love because they're like a true 90-day fiance story. Which I don't have a picture of them. Which is Marcelino and Brittany with mm. another fake scene. But here, let's go ahead and give our girl Brittany a daytime globe. Globe. What is it called? Globe? Global. Okay. No, daytime golden globe. Golden Let globe. Let me say that back. mean, daytime Emmy. In time. Yeah, that's what I should have said, Emmy. Let's. Okay. Let's break the mic. Okay. Uh, Jean-Marie, cut that out. I messed up. Let's make the joke crisp and clear. You're doing that, um, I think, with this. So <laughs> let's go ahead and give our girl Brittany and Emmy because the way Mama cried two different times in this scene is was so responsible and like... Everything that she was saying was so clear. She was like, that makes me upset. It makes me feel stupid and foolish and ugly. And please just say how you feel and don't make me feel like it's my fault. And I'm like, Brittany, I, I've said this from the beginning, Brittany went to prison, got better and said, put me in some therapy. And they did. And she took all of the tools that she learned in therapy and brought them into her outside of prison life. And she is spectacular about communicating how she feels, about telling people how they need to communicate with her so that she knows how she feels. But I'm getting ahead of myself and let's get back to this. So the first part we have is her putting the kids to sleep the same day after he unceremoniously just dropped them off at the listing she had. And the kids are like, we want daddy. And she's like, "Uh, dad's not here right now. And so then she goes downstairs and she sits outside to smoke a cigarette, which is like the worst thing. Cause like, girl, I can't imagine what her breast smells like her and Marcelino smoke. I can't imagine dating a smoker, but that's just me. And that's my life. And so she has a cigarette. She calls her sister to like, quote unquote, vent about Marcelino and his behavior and how it's been seven hours. And she don't know where he's at. And then he comes home and acts like nothing is wrong. And he just sits down and she starts to tell him how she feels. And he's just sitting there listening, like nothing, like he's just a stoic Latino Male who just refuses to have feelings and talk about anything.
0: Yeah, and then she grabs his phone. And
1: honey, oh no, she doesn't. She doesn't grab it, Chris. Like, say what the healthy, productive thing this woman who's had therapy does. I missed it. Oh, she asks him for his phone. She asks him. She doesn't grab it and take it and run. She asks him, "Let me see your phone." And he's like, "Brittany," and she's like. Marcelino, let me see your phone. And he hands it to her. And I said this is these are two good adults. Now I don't know this world. I don't know in a world where I would ever ask somebody to go through their phone as like routine as like a part of our relationship. Like, it's not, it's not me. She asks him for her phone and goes inside the house and she just casually strolls through everything. She goes through the DMs. She goes through all his dating apps. She goes through his his text messages and she finds that he's been on pornography sites and she's upset because he's been looking at porn rather than looking at her. And then she then in a very clear, concise manner, tells him how him looking at porn makes her feel.
0: Yes, because it's also coupled with the fact that she feels like their sex life is dwindling. She's like, she's good to be like, it's not just the fact that he's looking at porn, but it, he basically is not having sex with me. And so the fact that he's not having sex with me, but obviously he's looking at porn, makes me feel like he would rather look at this porn. And why? is it do these women look different from me? They're like, you know, like, is it, it whatever it is, you know, like, it's making me feel unwanted, unloved, undesirable. And it makes me feel shitty, you know? And... <sighs> He takes it in. Yeah. He's very stoic, honey. Um, and, uh, they decide to go to see a therapist, a, um, counselor, if you will. And this brings about her second performance of, we think the episode he, they go to a counselor and he's open to that and they're discussing their relationship. And, you know, it's obviously like we met and we were like very, you know, like it was this, and then we had kids and then things have been dwindling, you know, and, um, we also have to take into account the fact that they ended up having a threesome and the fact that that threesome obviously affected the relationships. It feels like basically Brittany feels um, like he's not paying attention to her, that he doesn't love her. He doesn't cherish her anymore. He's not like, he doesn't look at her with the eyes and the lust and like, they don't have that like sexual chemistry and attraction as much as any, as anymore. Um, she recognizes that he had a whole life as a bachelor before that now he's just, Spending time at home all day long, raising kids, you know, and everyone wants his attention is running all over him and it must, it must feel very, very different. And after, yeah, like after they had kids, their relationship changed as things do and whether they tried to throw in the life vest of a thropple or a threesome and whether and like the ramifications of what happened with that is also like this very real scene. I mean, you know, it's funny because yeah, Bar- Brittany and Marcelino definitely feel pro- overly produced, especially that dumb, like r- uh, sh- scene we have where he like dropped off the kids in the middle of her showing homes. But this scene does seem very, very real. She seems in a lot of pain.
1: Yeah. So he basically says that when he saw her and Amanda making out and she, he just felt that, Britney was more into Amanda than in him. It changed everything for him. And I thought that was very telling, but he was also really shut down yeah. when they went to the counseling session. She was very open about how she felt. And he's just like sitting there looking like, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, well, then tell your wife how you feel. Tell your wife that seeing her with Amanda, seeing her vibe and like jump on Amanda made him feel some kind of way. And that he knows that they're you know, this isn't just a threesome, like that this is like probably something that she wants, that she wants to be in relation with Amanda or maybe women in general and that maybe women make her feel a certain way and that he wants to make her feel the way that women make her feel. And I don't know if that's possible. Um, So yeah, I do think that it's overproduced and I don't know how much of it is her playing it up for the cameras and how much of it is real. Mm -hmm. But I like Pedro and Chantel. I don't want to see Brittany and Marcelino break up. So, Mm -hmm. like it's hard for me to watch them.
0: Yeah. I know. I they are like a pivotal seminal couple of the series as someone who, for Brittany, got out of prison, found someone, and somehow was able to like change her life. Because the truth of the matter is for a lot of people coming out of prison, it's not great that they're just gonna jump into a relationship, right? Like on paper, that doesn't look great because it makes us seem like, well, okay, how about getting some time, getting your foot in? realizing how we're going to deal with this life down outside the bars. You know, like, let's get a job. Let's get some counseling. You want someone to like get all of that happening. So the fact that this whole series is about people who met someone right out of, like while they're in prison and then right afterward, like jumps into their arms, doesn't bode well. So the fact, and you know, the fact that they have stood the test of time, we want to be able to hang our hats on them and we like them together. So Um, and we remember what it was like when, like how much they felt like they were in love. Like he was so into her, you know, and she was like, so appreciative. And I think so comforted by the security that he brought, which was someone that like wanted to like provide and take care of her, you know? And I think that, you know, maybe we have to like, just get them back on track and feeling those, like some of those feelings.
1: Yeah, they had kids really quickly. And so I think that also like added to that. Um, and a lot of mistakes were made while the kids were being born. So yeah, so we just hope for the best for them as always. Um, okay, let's move on to the next couple. And that's going to be, let's just get them over with. Okay, well then.
0: Uh, that was who was next on the list. So Lindsay and Deontay. Lindsay
1: and Deontay, you guys. So in this scene, it's a really good heart to heart that Lindsay has with Blaine. And I think that it was absolutely necessary. So I love Blaine. um, Yeah. You love Blaine.
0: Blaine. Yeah. Blaine is like, please take heed before you do this. And I was like, who are, I mean, what is this? Friar from from Romeo and Juliet? Please take heed. Like Shakespeare. Like, what are you giving me? Like, I love me some Blaine. What a beautiful friend. I love the fact that they've never boned. I love the fact that he admires her. So I love the fact that he knows that he's crazy. He probably is in love with her. And she, of course, whenever she's like, you can't ever get on your back, honey. These men will respect you. And by the way, Lindsay, you're absolutely right. That's how I felt a long time doing comedy. Like, I was never going to sleep with anyone, honey, because the minute I got on my back, I felt like men wouldn't respect me. And the good news is, don't worry, they won't respect you anyway.
1: okay, wow yeah. yeah, what if you just like rode them and slapped them afterwards and walked away and pretend like it didn't happen? But, you know, we weren't, we weren't, <laughs> we didn't have it in us at that time to truly be able to know what our power was. But the truth is, is if I had just slept with some of them comedians and then just slapped them afterwards and been like, don't fucking tell anybody or I'm going to deny it. Then it would have worked out. Then our careers would have just taken off. All right. So then we have a scene where um, she tells Deontay about... The fact that tc is in prison and he's like what that got to do with you why i mean literally on his way to see her and she's like you think i was gonna let my friend in there and i'm like at that point he didn't want to argue with her so he just backs out right so she and blaine are just like running around gas station to gas station getting money trying to find somebody they finally find somebody that has a license and no warrants and they send that person up there and that person cannot get tc out it's already too late So they got to try again the next morning. And then there comes a real talk with Blaine about the future and about going straight so that they can see their kids. And he says, just like preacher man of old, like a black old preacher man, he says, there comes a time. There comes a time when you gotta put the kids first. What about the future? Where's we going to do with our kids? And so she's like, hugging him. And he's like, we got kids. We won't see our kids. And you got to do what you got to do for Miley Grace. And, you know, it's a really good moment where, and like actually gives her game. And, um, we see the De- Deontay and he's speeding on, he says, he's going to do his 12 hours. Get to Lindsay, he's not going to stop. He's not going to take a break. He's just going to get gas and keep going because he really wants to get to her. And he didn't tell his mom, and we all know his mom. For those of us who've been up on this season, we all know Deontay's mom, because mama will come in there full face, crooked teeth and everything, and tell his ass off. She'll call his brother in here to look have, a, have the brother just staring at Deontay looking stupid. Just give the, give Deontay a stupid look. So that's why he didn't tell his mama about him going up to see Lindsay. And then we have a scene where Lindsay meets Miley Grace at a park. And child, Miley Grace has grown. Okay. I don't 18 months where that baby has grown. We see her, she has chubby cheeks in the last season and we see her this one and the chubby cheeks are gone. This child has shotten up. She's taller. She's almost as tall as Lindsay and she's just a young woman. And I'm so proud and happy that she's with her mama and not with her crazy ass mom. I mean, she's with her grandmama and not her crazy ass mom.
0: I know. I know. And I, they have this very heartwarming scene. They look like two, friends and not mother and daughter. And, um, you know, obviously Lindsay has a moment where she's like, I'm so sorry, you know, and Miley Grace, who, I mean, obviously is named between Miley Cyrus and some other person um, is like, okay, but like this time you gotta like do it though. You can't go back in prison. And I, f- I really want you to like, not go back. And, you know, I think that Lindsay hears that. And her response is, I got to just focus and I got, I can't like, you know, let anyone take my focus away. And I'm so scared for her when she says those things because we've just seen her like so easily get lost in some drama she did not have to get lost in because Deontay's right. Deontay's right that like, why is that your problem? And like, your problem is only you and your daughter, those are your problems. If it's not you and your daughter, it's not your problem. And you're, you already have a lot of problems. And your problems, you, aren't on, you are not on top of. So it's like real. It's, like a, it's really hard for me to watch this scene. It was really sad. Because I definitely feel like a little girl, like definitely wanting to have her mom in her life. And, wanting, and And at this point, it seems like her daughter really thinks that her mom won't go back to prison. And so I don't want her to be heartbroken or disappointed again.
1: Yeah. And um, then when um, Lindsay's mother comes to pick her Miley Grace up, she's like, hey, mama, can I talk to you? And the mother's like, sure. And um, I think it's got to be really sad because the mother can no longer give energy over to Mm -hmm. Lindsay. She's got to give all the energy over to Miley Grace at this point. And um, she just basically tells her, you know, you need to not be thinking about Deontay and your relationships and think about being on the straight and narrow. And I hope he's not a con. And I wanted her to say, no, no, no. Deontay's not a con mama. Deontay has a full job. He's never been in prison. He's a military man. Like he's good for me, but she doesn't say that. And like, the truth is, is like, I don't, I I, listen, because I've been single all of my life, I truly don't understand or like get the benefit of like throwing your life on the line to be in a relationship with somebody. Um, But like the fact that these, all of these people are like, trying to get shacked up and booed up so quickly, like just can't take the time out to get to know who they are and what they want in their lives without having this other person like attached to them is baffling to me. Like, I don't get it intrinsically in my spirit. I don't understand this desire. And I thought like, why would you tell your mother you have a boyfriend? Like that doesn't add to the scenario, but because she truly thinks the- of having a a significant other as like, I guess something that's grounding her or something that's going to make her life better that she wants to like tell her mother. And I'm like, that wasn't the move. And the mother truly is not with her shit and just gets back in the car and is like, I will be able to focus on you once you start to do things that are right for your daughter.
0: And I'll tell you the first step is to ask God for forgiveness. And the second step is to ask your daughter for forgiveness. And I don't, I mean, like, if you want to ask me, like, I'll only think about it after those two things. Like she, yeah, she's, Lindsay is very excited to show her daughter De- Deontay and her daughter's like, okay, yeah, he's more attractive than the last one. And it's this thing again, where no one wants to see anyone be in a relationship or out of prison. But I think for Lindsay, um, sorry, my garage door is opening. One second. I think for Lindsay, she wants to present stability in any form she can. And it seems like what her, she's grasping for straws by saying that she has support. So she has Deontay as, look, I have a supportive boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. No, that's stable. It doesn't seem like good. Like, it seems like it's a good thing, right? Also, I'm staying with someone and the person I'm staying with is this person that you know, but also sober. He's sober for two years. So that's good. It's like, she wants to kind of say like how she has her ducks in the line. I think it was her, like, it's kind of like her wanting to have a job within two hours out of getting out of jail to be like, look, I got the things. Okay. I have a boyfriend. I have a job. I have a place. (laughs) You know, like I think it's just without it's wanting to mock or be stable without having been able to truly stabilize your energy. Because the truth is if you're, if you were focusing on stabilizing yourself, your actual self, your energy, your presence, your body, your mind, that nervous system, whatever it is, then like that's the work and it's not going to like get willy nilly out of prison and spending all your money to do that.
1: Yeah. And, um, I really do hope the best for her, but we'll see what happens uh, later on. Mm -hmm. Ready? Let's move on to our next couple. And that's going to be Sean and Sarah. So we've got Sean and Sarah and they are five days out from their wedding. And, I believe the first scene that we have with them is in the morning, Sean puts she comes downstairs. Yeah. They had a Sean and Sean is like doesn't know how toasters work. And he puts the bagel <laughs> backwards. And I'm like, How do you how do you not know how this is supposed to work? You're supposed to put the part that you slice in half in the inside and facing inside because that's yeah. what the hot is. Yeah, he wants the butts of the bagel. I think he just was like, oh, I want my butts of the bagel to be brown outside. I want that to be not, and I don't get it. But you know, like an Oreo.
0: Oreo. He and wants he wants a Brazilian. He wants the Brazilian butts toasty, honey. He wants a little Oreo, dark on the outside, white on the inside. You know, like never been touched.
1: Yeah. So Sarah is really worried at this point about what his family thinks because she comes downstairs and she's like, hey, um, yeah, so I am. What do you think? And he's like, everything's fine. And she's like, well, I'm worried because your family, I think they think something about me. And I don't want that. I wanted us to be closer by the time we got married um, and we're not, so I'm uncomfortable. And, you know, Sean is very much about not acknowledging the elephant in the room, sweeping the tension under the table and pretending like things aren't happening. So he doesn't have to deal with it. He's very much like, um, Jorge from 90 day fiance, Jorge and visa. He's mm-hmm. very much like that, where he's just like, I want to please everybody at every time, no matter if it contradicts. And so, um, she then, he then mentions like, well, I really want my kids to be at the wedding. And I think the only way to have that happen to make Kelly feel comfortable is if Kelly comes to you. And she's like, absolutely not. Kelly's not coming to the, you're out of your mind. If you think Kelly's coming to the wedding, like, you know, that Kelly has probably wanted to marry you this entire time. So she's not going to come to this wedding and be peaceful. She's going to come here and trip. Like she's going to be, doing the most. And I don't want that. In fact, if that's what you want, then I'm going to invite my ex to the wedding. And he's like, well, it's not like that. It's not going to be like that. You know, she's going to, she's going to, she's going to be fine. And then he's, then she's like, Sarah's like, well, then why don't we just invite destiny too? And then Sean trips up and Sean says, she's not coming out here. She's not going to be there. And if I were Sarah, I would be like, how do you know that? Are you- Yeah, no
0: shit. Why would that even be- Yeah, of course. Why are you forgetting that that could have been an option? How do you- Yeah, how do you know? How do you- Were you talking to Destiny?
1: And then we have a scene where Sean says that he's changed his number and somehow she's found it. Lie. Yeah, that's a lie. And that somehow he's slightly worried that she's going to just show up at the wedding.
0: Because he's texted her- The Because she knows the date, time, and address. Because he's texted her multiple times. Like, he must- he, he's kind of like, I guess, um, <clears throat> Kevin, you know, like he has, no, that hear that matter,
1: Kevin. I'm sorry. Take
0: that back because Kevin is in
1: a different category. Take that.
0: Kevin. Why, don't why, why do men mess with women who are crazy and toxic and disruptive to their lives? I'm making a parallel and you know, I'm right.
1: No, I don't know. You're
0: right. Because, okay. Cause Kevin, yeah. Kevin has a Kayla in his life who he could just easily block and change his never and never have to worry or complain that his other friend looks just like him a much bigger version about how crazy she is because he's not of course doing anything to invite that in but of course he is just like this man for some reason has changed his number over and over again but this destiny sleuth that she is honey got in touch with elon musk honey and she scours the internet just with the people that are the all the sleuths from don't fuck with cats all those people get to destiny every time to give her all the information about where he has changed all of his, uh, his personal information on the internet, so she finds it. That is what he's saying to us. This person, Destiny, is so good at internet sleuthing. But of course, it's not true. Of course, he invites her in his life. Of course, you know. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, what do you have to say about that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just because it breaks my heart that you would compare Sean and Kevin together because I, I intrinsically understand Sean and I mean, sorry. <gasps> Uh, no, no, take that back. I intrinsically understand Kevin and would rather deal with Kevin knocking a pussy ass out than Sean and his Hitler beard and his lies and his ugly teeth. So, I mean, I'm going to let you say whatever else you want to say about this couple, but that okay. is how I feel. And Sean is the absolute worst and for Sarah.
0: Great. So basically, all I have to say about this couple is that this conversation he then has with Kelly, of course, the mother of his six children, who he definitely was never married. And so the crux of this conversation is this, right? He wants his kids to be at his wedding, but she won't let the kids come to the wedding unless for some reason she's there because she doesn't trust him, um, that he's just going to marry a different woman that he was already differently engaged to someone else and never obviously Kelly. And she feels like he's just trying to parade the kids around to try and make people think that he's a good father when he in fact is not. So, but at the same time, it's like all of that falls the wayside for her to get her super objective, which is not only an invite to the wedding, but Free of charge, honey. She's going to win a free trip on like Wheel of Fortune, honey. She like literally it lands on 900. You know, she asks for a tea. You know, there's three T's. They take off the 900 and it's like a trip to Mi- Miami because she's like, okay, well, then if I'm going to come to your wedding, who's paying for it? All of us because it's not going to be me. And he's like, okay. And he's like, oh, I'll give you $500. And then I thought, well, how many kids are coming to this wedding? Only because. Is it $500 round trip for her ticket? Is she is she going to pretend that all the kids are on her two and they're all going to sit on her laps? One lap? Because there's six kids. Then that's six, at least five tickets. I don't know. Again, I mean, that's a lot of... Well, where's the okay. There's the oldest son. So there's at least four tickets that he's, what, buying? And hers, five tickets for $500? I don't think that's math. I can work. I don't What are they going to fly? Frontier? Frontiers bastard sister. So, um, basically they, uh, they hash it out. And he's of course, hasn't told Sarah that he made that plan to pay for Kelly's ticket to come out. Um, and you know, they, and their segment saying it can only, it can only take one stupid little thing or person to ruin the wedding. And, you know, here's the thing. Don't promise us with a good time. Okay. And on to our second to final couple. Wait,
1: did you talk about Sarah? Did we not talk about Sarah and the crown getting a Manny and Petty? Oh, and oh my God. How do we, scenario I've ever seen in my life.
0: Okay. Wait, wait, So Sarah and her front. Okay. Go to get no, a Manny Sarah
1: man- and Sean's sister. Yeah.
0: Go to this place and they're sitting And this nice woman comes out and is like, welcome, welcome to the castle. And we're like, oh my God, what does that mean? You want to come back for your manicure and pedicure? We're like, yes. And the front area looks really nice. We're like, okay, where are are these people? They go into the back room and goes from like a nice manicure place to what looks like um, the thing that, that, uh, what's his name? Chance is trying to build Bobby. I mean, you know, like rickety-shack. It's a rickety-shack manicure place.
1: It's just like a dungeon. And then they sit her, I'm like, what in Ohio are you guys used to, to where being comfortable while getting a mani-pedi means that you sit on a high back velvet chair, sitting on pillows on your back and under your butt. And then you put your foot in like some kind of 2000, 1998 foot home massage Like, thing like, no spa chairs are a thing, and I want to support business so much. And these were this was a black business, and you didn't even have them in a spa chair. What in the Ohio backwards nonsense was this? And then they like these are literally at home spa foot treatments, like a little thing that you fill with water from like. The sink is not even pre. It's, there's no water line directly to it. <laughs> then they put crowns on their heads, and I'm like, these ladies can't even move their heads for the crowns to fall off. It it just looks so ridiculous.
0: There's little love- file cabinets. It is a file cabinet. Okay, it's not a real chair. It's a file. It's a boxed file cabinet. They put one of the, like a outside um, chair cushion on top of that. And that's what they're sitting on. And yeah, they went to Bed Bath & Beyond and got these like foot bath, spa bath things, like a two for one deal. They're plugged in. I mean, I can't imagine what is being done here. Like what was this place yesterday? This, this, this place looked completely different yesterday. This is not a manicure place. I can't imagine. Everything was having just been put in there. Those are, it's everything's temporary.
1: It was just, I was, I was really sad. I was really sad for it. I don't know what else happened after that, but they had a little conversation about how rushed it was and how much Sarah is like not a weirdo and how she wants to like get to know his family. And she understands that Sean hasn't been very forthcoming, but she's trying to mend that. And uh, yeah,
0: let's move on to the next. Okay. My loves. And we're moving on to Chaz and, Bronwyn, honey, there's no way we're gonna be able to. I know. I just I can't do it. Okay, so um, here we are, honey, hot and fresh off of his live performance via fa- FaceTime of his heavy metal band, um, and she, you know, has like just got nothing. Like, baby, that was great. You're so, high. and then just being like, oh. Anyway, so hey, Aaron, what's up? Like, let's hang out. <laughs> Aaron's like so disgusted. She's like, Aaron, how good is he? Isn't he so great? Like, he's really great, right? And Aaron's like, No. I mean, oh, this is doesn't none of this bodes well, honey. Yeah,
1: I mean, the entire time, like the what the way. Listen, Bronwyn is a stronger person than we give her credit for because her dirtbag friends and her stupid ex are trying to convince her that somehow staying in the place where she was a addu- drug addicted to drugs and consequently so was he is the move and she's like no i need to go someplace different and they're like but you're not going to be comfortable there That's what not about cool. your daughter and then the, then he brings up what about your daughter so like for me that was a shock i didn't know that bronwyn had a daughter. I'm thinking we're about to see like a 15-year-old Miley Grace. Girl, we see a whole 20-year-old who's calling her mother. And she looks like she, she, I didn't realize, but Bronwyn spent 11 years in prison. She is 40 right now. That math says that that woman has been in prison since she was 29 years old. And her daughter is 20. Let's do the math. That woman had that child when she was 20 years old. And she says that she's been in and out of prison for most of her daughter's life, or not there for most of her daughter's life. That means that she went into prison when her daughter was nine years old. That baby has grown up without her mother and she will be fine. And even the daughter says, it's probably best if you go someplace where you won't be tempted. And so then the mother's like, "Brahman, would you be willing to come to Kentucky? She's like, oh hell no, I'm not going to Kentucky. What I'm saying is that you should go to Kentucky.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, basically she also says to a couple of things to, um, Aaron, that's interesting. She thinks that Chaz has tracked her whereabouts on the phone because one time she got a notification saying that someone was trying to log into her like account and he you know provides uh, her account for her. So that was also suspect. And, um, yeah, like, she also says that, you know, her being around Aaron, and is not it's not in her intention to dirtbag dirt Chaz, which I thought it was just an interesting verb to use or whatever. Um, but yeah, she, like, she says, he says that it's hard for him to see her, like, put another man before him. You know, like, and she's like, I literally watched you for, like, my whole relationship. Like, every woman between is like, well, you got me there. And then she's like, our whole relationship was based on psychotic episodes. And then it cuts to him being like, I've never loved anyone else. Like, I only love her. I think often how if I could have just gotten it right or what it would be if we could just keep another, do another chance of trying.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's been gone for 11 years and it's partly because of you. So, like, don't be in this woman's life trying to, like, you haven't even done better. I mean, his mouth still looks like he's on drugs. Yes. I, mean, I, I, I don't know what is attractive about this person.
0: She's, well, she's, not on, drugs. she's on drugs in these scenes. She's, she's, sle- she, I will say it. She's sleepy eyed, slow eyed. She's talking, everything is like, she's not, this woman's not sober. Not even what we're watching. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, I'm not a doctor. But I mean, I'm a podcaster, so, but no, my personal professional and non-professional opinion would be like what I'm seeing when she talks to Chaz and talks to Aaron, I'm seeing someone who seems like she's definitely, you know, hi. Oh. Hi. I just yeah. thought she was like, talks like that. You know what? Here's the truth. I don't
1: understand people who need to be attracted to their partner. And I'm not saying that I don't need to be attracted to their partner, to my partner, because, you know, to me, attraction comes, love comes, sometimes literally. But, like, it can come. And so, like, when she's, like, she had a panic attack when she first met Chaz and he wanted some sexy time. Like, I get that. And she's, like, I don't know because he's, like, different from what I'm used to being with. And I'm, like, does he disgust you? Because to me, Chaz is not disgusting. Like, he seems like a pretty put-together well hygiened individual, and like you just got to give it a chance. Yeah, he's not what you're used to, but what you're used to got you 11 years in prison. Yeah, he's been married five times, so that's definitely a red flag. But give it a chance, you literally can always get out of it. Like, that's the thing that some people, I guess, I, maybe my privilege is like jumping up to bite me in the butt, but I honestly feel like if. The moment Bronwyn were to reach out to any of her homies and say, like, I got to get out of this situation, they would cobble together the $400 to get her on a plane to get her out of Kentucky. That could happen for her. And so, like, I want her to truly give Chaz a chance. Like, if she's like, I can't sleep with this person. I'll never love this person. This person disgusts me. Okay, that's one thing. But I don't think he's a bad looking guy. I think he has a lot to offer. He looks sweet and kind, unless he's completely different once she get in that house with him by herself. And that's something that she needs to, I guess, in my mind, figure out on her own so that she can see if this is the right move for her. But having like all of these negative or these stupid people tell her that she should just stay in Portland, Oregon, which I mean, honestly, Chris didn't know Portland, Oregon was like a place for meth. I mean, that's what I'm assuming what they're on. I'm assuming it's all meth. Um, so like I didn't know Portland, Oregon had this like seedy side to it. I mean, I'm sure every city does, major city does, but like truly didn't know that that was that. And I just want the best for Bronwyn. And like, I'm like, you know, Chaz seems like the best choice. And so just kind of go with that and see what happens. Um, they no. refer to Chaz as just being different as far as like his attractiveness, he's not unattractive.
0: Do you want a spoiler alert or no? Does the audience want a spoiler alert?
1: I don't know. Okay, give it to us.
0: So the the audience, and, and I'm sorry, the streets found her escort ads. And so she's been, she went back to escorting and um, they got in touch with Chaz and was like, you guys, need you know that she's back to escorting? He's like, yes, I do know. At that time to process it. I'm asking for an annulment. And so um, that's, I mean, that's a big spoil.
1: I mean, listen, I'm all about her making her own money. I would just wish that she'd move to Arizona or something, you know? Yeah. I want her to be in Portland. Okay. Anything else about them, boo? No.
0: All right. Okay. Our last couple. um, Amber, Puppy, and the dudes they they are now with. Right, (laughs) 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 Wob? Crackhead, Eric. Okay.
1: So in this so, um, scene, yeah, we have, I mean, an interesting story. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of thoughts. One is, is Amber's mother native? Because she's giving me native, like strong native vibes, if not indigenous Mexican vibes, right? So her parents, and th- we didn't know this until this episode, so this is like <laughs> great. We knew... That Amber and her mother had a mini meth-like operation going on in Georgia. And that's why they both went to prison together. These two women were making money. So we already knew that her mother wasn't the best influence on her. And that's how it was like her mother, her, and puppy all in the same prison. And they all knew each other. And puppy and Amber like had a religion, a relationship while in prison, or a religion while in prison. And then we find out more information. We find out that puppy, I mean, Amber and Amber's mother, Monica, and her father had her when they were like late teens, like 19, right? They got married. They were only able to be married for a year and then they got divorced and it was just Amber and Monica running the streets with their like meth empire from then on out. And since Monica has gotten out of prison, she has rekindled her relationship with her former ex-husband, AKA Amber's father. And they are now getting remarried after 34 years, 33 years of not being together. And for some reason, this was so sweet for me. I just was like, I think that every kid might want this to happen regardless of how crazy it is. And she got to be the officiant at her parents' remarriage. And Puppy got to be a part of that, even though she was late and she prepped in so loudly and so awkwardly. <laughs> but it was really sweet. So that's what we come up on this segment. We come upon where Amber is waiting for Puppy to show up at her mother's wedding and they're getting married at like some kind of courthouse, like I don't know, like Le- American Legion like space or whatever. And there's a bunch of people there, including Queen, who we all know was in prison with them and got um, uh, got Puppy a job when Puppy first got out. But, like, Puppy was fucking up and, like, drinking on the job. She, Puppy would go in to clean people's houses because Queen had this whole business where she would, like, go into people's houses and clean it. And she hired Puppy on. Puppy would go in there and just, like, raid these people's uh, liquor cabinet and just be fucking drunk swimming in their pools naked. Like, Puppy was doing the most. Anyways, and so oh, Queen is there... Like Queen is there, all the players are there, and um in the middle of the ceremony, Puppy and Eric just stroll in like two like late individuals, just like eek like, eek their way up to the front to sit down. They don't just stand in the back like you do when you're late to something, they crept on forward, and Amber's just like quiet and everybody's watching them pre-forward and they sit down. She's like, sorry, sorry. Then they have like really nice nuptials and then there's the the fiesta afterwards. And a lot of puppy's friends have questions for Eric that Eric doesn't like. Mainly, why haven't you divorced your wife? So Eric's punk ass is married currently and he's just proposed to puppy. Not just, a few months ago, proposed to puppy. And then we find out that the week puppy was in prison after she turned herself in, this MFR did not cancel their plans to go to Vegas. He just went to Vegas by himself without Puppy. And then when she got
0: out of prison, he flew home to be there for her. And yeah. he don't want
1: nobody questioning him.
0: She had gotten a warrant for her arrest for moving without telling a parole officer. So I had to to like, I guess, you know, turn herself in, but he's on, he's listen, he's on things too. I mean, you know, like it's about, this person is also not a sober bober, you know, like he's there now. I love me queen. Now queen is going in on him. And you know, like at one point she says, I want you to treat puppy. Right. And like, you know, we, we all want, because puppy is like a lovely person, even in, in, as dumb as puppy is she even had to tell this person um, what's his name, Eric. I don't know his name, Eric. She had to be like, he, Eric was like going to try and marry her while he was still married. And puppy had to be like, no, you can't do that. And he's like, mm. you know, like I don't understand how people don't know that. Anyway, God bless. So Queen now is like trying to like set Eric straight. And she's like, no, you're gonna treat puppy right. Honey, I'll tell you right now, you better because I know how to do time. And when Queen says that, I mean, like yeah, I felt that in like every chakra that I own, like one, two, three, four, five, down the chakra scale. Like I was like, well, she's going to kill you. No, she's going to kill your face, honey. Show the fuck. I mean, you know, like I, I actually loved it. Then he felt it by the way, because like he heard that and realized that he was going to die. So he tried to leave in that very moment.
1: <laughs> right? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. Puppy's friends, while there are, they are a little scattered and bedraggled. They ride for her, and I think he got that in that moment. So then he does the thing that all grown ass men do when they feel like someone is testing their grown ass men, grown ass madness. Is they leave. <laughs> I don't got to take need this. They wouldn't answer these questions. You ain't know me. I'm grown ass man. I do what I want to do. I don't need this. You gonna be okay. Go ahead, find yourself a ride home. I'm leaving right now. She's like, what about me? And he's like, you be all right. And this motherfucker just gets in his car, puts on his jacket, pops his collar and leaves because he don't want nobody questioning him. Him and Michael are the same energy. The thruple Michael, Megan, mm-hmm. not Michael, Sarah and Michael.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it is just like annoying to watch. And so she cries on Amber's shoulder and Amber's pissed because Amber's like, you ain't gonna treat puppy like this. Like, I'm not gonna do what I need to do to be with her because I don't know if I'm lesbian like that. But I love her. I'm going to treat her like this at my mom's wedding.
0: That was sad. Amber's like, are you okay? And puppy's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And Amber's like, are you okay? And puppy's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And Amber's like, are you okay? And puppy's like,
1: just hold me. Yeah. And that's why we love puppy and Amber. Because at the end of the day, even though Amber doesn't want to come out and just be in a lesbian relationship with puppy, she loves puppy. She loves puppy. And puppy's going through it because her mother has like stage three kidney disease or something. So puppy's mother is going to pass away. And uh, Amber is close with her and, you know, she's trying to do the best that she can at the same time. Amber's like not trying to let puppy drag her down because Amber has a job. Amber is doing very well for herself after spending so much time in prison for meth, (laughs) drug running and whatnot. Like Amber was, I don't think Amber was ever on drugs. She just like was a part of the, in that life, the way that Lindsay's a part of that life. Which Um, I knew was doing drugs, but Amber has got a whole job. Like she's the manager at like a a restaurant, and they've even shown the restaurant in the in the show. So like Amber is really trying to make something for them. I mean, the fact that Amber is even doing this show, she was the prisoner. The reason why we know Amber is because some man named Vince, who was ex-military. Wrote her and several of the women we found out later in prison and brought her out and wanted to marry her and set her up with a life. And she was like, she got out, and she was like, nah, it's not for me, it's not for me. But I'm gonna let puppy come out, and then me and puppy are gonna run off into the sunset, sunset. So, like, while Vince is not in this show, Amber said, You know what? I'm gonna flip this, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, Amber is an entrepreneur. Okay, she either it's drugs or selling herself on a reality TV. She gonna make money. She gonna do what she gotta do, mm-hmm. and she's bringing Puppy with her because her and Puppy are now a couple on this. And I'm sure if Puppy had the wherewithal to be on Instagram, I don't know if she is, but if she did, she'd be making m- money too. Because if anything, Amber is gonna make money. And so like, this is what we're watching right now, which is why we love them because at the end of the day, they do love each other. And it's may not be the love that e- that the other person wants, but it's true.
0: Just like me and you were.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are Puppy and Amber minus the drugs and the jail.
0: Yeah. And any sort of lesbian things that ever happen because yeah. you know, how does that happen? Um, God bless. What an episode, oh, what a yeah. life. What a life after lockup.
1: (laughs) All right, you guys. So that is the end of this episode. We want to thank you guys so much for watching us. Please see us next week for the drop of this episode. Um, Tell your friends about our our channel. So, I mean, it's not a channel. Podcast. Tell our friends about our podcast
0: you know, to all, tell all your friends, the kind of, the, all your friends, the kind of friends that would tell uh, people that were treating you badly that they know how to do time, like the, your real good friends, share the wealth of this podcast by, you know, a little quick text if you want, if you haven't yet subscribed and added and Maybe even gave us a review. I mean, I would I would encourage you to do so. That would be awesome. You can also, of course, just go ahead and follow us on different social media platforms. We are Docu Sweeties on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Oh wow.
1: I and mean, if you're interested in some extra, extra content, if you want to see the unedited video version of what we just gave you in your sweet, sweet audio ears. You can join us at patreon.com slash docu-sweeties. And I just want to give a shout out to those who are already patrons of us. And we thank you so much for your support. I'm looking at the patron list right now. So Barb meets world. Hey girl. Hey, she's our newest patron. We've got Victoria Horner. We've got Lauren Harris. We've got Jahan. We've got Nikki. We've got Aaron C. We've got Tess. We've got Marsha. We've got a Marina. We've got Marissa, Melody, Renee, Lisa, Jeff, and Susie Sue. And we want to thank you guys so much for believing in us and supporting us and joining our Patreon. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, you
0: guys. So that is the end of this episode. Chris, any last words? Um, just love you all so much. And like, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you.
1: All right, you guys have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye.